Hello! Welcome to Marcel's Medieval Magic, the podcast that has me, Marcel Losada, reading through and summarizing medieval texts with my friends who have not heard or read these texts because they all have lives. As this is the first episode that it will air, I figure I'll give you a bit of background on this show. This podcast is low and loose. There will definitely be some fucking profanity, and I should disclose that I am absolutely not a historian nor a medievalist. I did get a degree in English that focused on British medieval literature, which my parents were none too thrilled about, but get it, I did. So I have the most cursory of backgrounds in this shit, which is what turned me on to these uh, stories in the first place. I am passionate about these texts because I see value in them, and I want to see if my friends and the people I meet think there's any value in these stories or whether they're more a product of their time uh, rather than something that speaks across the ages. I'll try to back up everything I talk about by providing sources and materials, and if I'm wrong on anything, definitely feel free to drop me a line to let me know how I fucked it up. I have no social media, and I'm not sure how this is all going to get out there, so that's a hurdle that future me will have to figure out. So good luck, future Marcel. If you are listening to this out there, give future Marcel the future an air of high five because he probably had to make some changes and do shit, which is outside of his realm of motivation at the penning and recording of this episode. Our medieval text for today is brought to us by Teams Middle English Text Series from the University of Rochester. I'm going to use Teams for quite a bit of the material, so I definitely want to shout them out. They are the shit. They do amazing work, and they lay out everything for free. Give them some love and support and dollars if you can. I own several of their texts. I'm happy to pay for the quality of text that they put out and the limited access that some of these texts have. They really, some of these, is so, uh, they're the only source for some of these texts. That's that's pretty fucking cool. It is very cool. And it is all available for free online if you just put Teams Medieval Text. So whatever they have published is free, and you can still buy it. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, if you can't spread some cheddar on them, if you're not, write them some nice things. Buy them drinks at a bar. If you ever see any of the editors, compilers, coders, and whoever the hell else works there, leaving their cloistered place at the University of Rochester. With that out of the way, let's meet our wonderful guest today, my homie, Michael Temple. What's up, Mike? Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, buddy. Hey, it's you... great to be here. Oh, yes. I'm excited to have you here. You're one of my uh, better friends. That means I don't owe you any money, yeah, and right. uh, you don't owe me any money. So that's... I just paid you. <laughs> <laughs> we got paid in beer and dinner, so that's, that's absolutely good. Let's uh, get to the main course, Mike. So, how do you feel about incest? Oh, that that hit really fast. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, then uh, the text for today is the incestuous daughter. So I think you're gonna have a rough time at the beginning here, my friend. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. So this particular version that we're reading comes from a book that I own, which is Codex Ashmole 61. I own a copy. I don't own the original. If I owned the original, I'd be some very rich British lord. Okay. The text itself is from the late 1400s. I have some notes from the editor here, Mr. George Shuffleton, which is a great last name. He mentions that the story is pretty popular. We know this because, or it was pretty popular. I think it's still pretty popular, maybe, with some nerds. 
Uh, we know this because we have many different examples of the same sermon or similar version existing across a multitude of different areas. The logic being here that if many copies survive today, then it was a really popular story back in the day. When we have one surviving copy, it's harder to make that claim, but it could be true. I mean, Beowulf or Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, for example, have only one surviving uh, original copy, but they could have potentially been really popular back in the day or not. I don't know. It's really hard to, to tell. Um, and unless you get some secondary mentions, uh, you know, it's really hard to tell. So it becomes this epic game of connect the dots. Anyway, here's what the editor says about our text, The Incestuous Daughter. Uh, he says, quote, the popularity of this story attested by these many different versions is hardly mysterious. Preachers who used it as an exemplum in their sermons would surely be guaranteed the attention of their audiences. We're in for some spicy shit with this one, Mike. You're going to like raise your hands and preach to me and dance around, make it fantastic. I can, if that helps you. Yeah, yeah points, that'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. So you'll narrate it when I do it and uh, let our audience know that I've lost my mind. <laughs> we're going to revisit what Shuffleton has to say at the end, but we're just going to jump right into the story, okay? Um, after I give you some notes about this, okay? There's no title or beginning, and that's why I have to give you some notes about this. Uh, this particular text has been aged and damaged in some way. So there's no title, but there's another text that does have a title, and it's called The Tale of the Incestuous Daughter, which honestly is a pretty fucking metal title. So we give it now officially this title uh, in this book. Uh, the text starts with a dad who has presumably been fucking his daughter, exclaiming that, uh, and by the way, forgive my medieval accents. I will tell you now they are going to be absolutely horrible, but I will be attempting some of the Middle English, and then... Uh, Definitely providing some translations for you poor people. And for all you people who are going to tell me how I'm mispronouncing all these words, yes, you are correct. Lie content in your satisfaction, my friend. So, I shall never with thee dealer at better at board mita ne mila misina I have forsaken. So, what dad is saying here is, I won't have sex with you anymore, not in the bed, not at the table. I have forsaken my sins. And he's saying this to the daughter who responds with, Thou wicked man, have you changed your mind? Evil will follow you. Literally, evil it shall be like is the actual text. So something uh, like evil is going to follow you forever. And then get ready for this shit, dude. So thou hast made, my, uh, has made me my mother slay. In other words, you made me murder my mom. Damn. Yeah. All right. All right. So, and this is being read at churches across England. <laughs> okay. This is in church. All right. We're not done. The next line, literally, and my children, all three. Children. So that's her three children as well. Yeah. So this chick fucked her dad, killed her mom and her three kids. And the kids probably come from the dad, right? So she is pretty much a study in familicide, but with like an incest kicker. And this is just the first two stanzas. That's a hell of a preacher, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. Uh, okay, so then she says, and you would betray me? Which, honestly, fair point. <laughs> okay, you know. Uh, I don't know. This chick is pretty friggin' right or die at this point. She's got it. 
she'll she'll kill fucking kids for you. <laughs> That's how ride or die she is. The mom doesn't even do that kind of shit, dude. <laughs> you know. Then she says, "Since you're betraying me, unless you change your mind, evil will find you before tomorrow morning." So she's kind of threatening him, maybe cursing him. Damn. All right. So wait, wait, wait. Just a quick recap here. Yeah. The incestuous daughter sleeps with her father. Right. And she then tells him off, like, I will not sleep with you. Well, he tells her off. Oh, he tells her off. Yeah. He's saying, I won't sleep with you. Of course, it's the man. It's medieval England, wow. right? Wow. Okay. So she's wow. a sinful creature. The father is like, I won't sleep with you anymore, whore daughter. <laughs> right? What a nice man. We'll get into just how fucked this whole society is, but... Not in the bed, not at the table. Yeah, right? That's... I'm done eating my steak. Now I want data. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, it's it's kind of fucked up shit, man. Wow, okay. So who killed the mom? She did, because the dad told her to, apparently. So she kills her mom and her three children because Uh the dad... Won't have sex with her anymore. No, not because uh, it looks like it was a thing. And again, we're missing the first page, right? So, but when we come in on it, he says, I understand. I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Back to the story. Sorry. No, you're good. Please interject whenever you want, my friend. This is crazy. (laughs) I told you this one's pretty good, right? So, next it states that night comes. The father goes to sleep early because he wants to wake up early to go on a pilgrimage for his sins. Literally, the text says, The good man gone to bed a gone, his resta for tutaka. For early he would in the day on pilgrimage wend his way for his sinis saka. So this guy, whom we know has just been fucking the shit out of his kid, and then made this kid kill her mom, the guy's wife, and the kid's three children, the guy's grandkids, presumably, because they were mutant spider babies. But maybe they just didn't want that. I don't know. I don't. Who the fuck knows what's going on here? But anyway, this guy is apparently now reformed. And he's a good man. A god man is what it says in the text. All right. Because he's decided he's good dude now. So the next day, he's going right on pilgrimage. What a good daughter, fucker, wife, grandkid killer. And there's something here, though, in the text that we'll come back to, which is the idea that you can be forgiven just like that, right? If you're repentant and just really, really sorry, you're going to be saved. And this is around the 1400s when this was inked, so undoubtedly the story is old. But you can see where certain reformists start to get involved, right? There's like a reform in the church that these mortal sins and stuff um, are there. But you can also see maybe some people thinking like, whoa, you know, um, that this daughter fucking wife, granddad killing son of a bitch ought to do more than just take a pilgrimage to free his fucking soul. But what do I know? I'm really not a religious scholar, so. I Pilgrimage sounds good. Yeah. One and done. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what it makes me think of is uh, I heard, who was it? Like Ted Bundy or one of these guys? Um, was it Jeffrey Dahmer was like a, a reformed Christian in prison? Ah. Like one of, the, one of those serial killers, like- you know. Totally flipped. Yeah. And so, you know, is that, is a dude going to, to the big uh, castle in the sky? You know, I mean, I, I don't know, but that's kind of, I don't know, man. I, I feel like you, you say no. <laughs> Did he do a pilgrimage in jail? <laughs> that's or what prison? he's missing. You're absolutely right. There was no pilgrimage. How many walks around the block did he take? 
Or the yard? The yard? yard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So night comes, and the text says, through the fiend, Findy's egging, his daughter thought another thing was for to do when here father on sleep it was. His daughter went a well good pace and carved his throat in two. So through the fiends or devil's urging, his daughter thought of another thing she had to do. And when her dad was asleep, she went quickly and carved his throat in two. He was a good man, though. I mean, why? Yeah, I can't for the life of me figure out. It's almost like he traumatized the shit out of her. And now she's a monster. And the preacher's audience is like, gasp! He was a good man! So... Anyway, I'm really rooting for this chick. She is metal as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't like him, and, you know, she knows how to deal, how to take care of business, dude. She is uh, mostly called the woman, (laughs) this text from here on out. So let that sink in. Um, Of course, the father doesn't have a name either, so, you know, neither does the bishop later, so maybe it's just a thing. So then she takes the treasure that was there. Apparently there's treasure, literally it says, and took a, her treasure there. So I didn't really make up too much there. And then as much as she could carry, and then she took some other guys, and it literally just says, and other fellows there. <laughs> so, and they went out to town and went to a site that was of greater renown. So whatever the fuck that means. I'm, giving, I'm guessing it's kind of, given the context where we're going, it's probably going to mean infamous, like an infamous place. And they live there. So they spent their treasure fast, which I guess is what you do after you just slit somebody's throat, and they showed it off in great pride. I love this line. With great bubbins of pride. <laughs> I love that word, dude. I love that. Yeah, great bobbins. <laughs> in, in the great renown, <laughs> we spend our great bobbins. Yes, we do. Yeah. And it might be Greta. It depends. Uh, that end E sometimes gets pronounced, and my rules are not very good on that one. Um, or my knowledge of the rules. So, and then this cracks me up. It says, gentlemen of that country come fast with her to play. Yearn one on every side. Um, so essentially, dudes from all over the country come to play with her. Each one on every side. Wow. Yeah, man. She's a bad bitch. This is a place of great renown. It sounds like Bargain or Bargain. Yeah, I've, I've seen this on Pornhub. Okay. Yeah, you can Google this. You, yeah, absolutely. The Take incestuous a daughter. Yeah, yeah, just go ahead and look that up. Not at work. Not safe for work. Oh yeah. Um, if you do have kids listening, your parents don't love you. So now she's got all these guys all over her jock. And the next line is interesting. It reads, "All the women that would be fools fast, they come unto her schools or schoolies here." Right. So apparently she's running like a brothel. I think that's the idea that all these women would be that that are fools are coming to her school, like her 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 place where she's doing this stuff. Uh, But so apparently like she's got a brothel and she's getting men on each side. But interestingly, in the Cambridge manuscript version of this, it says all wicked men that were fools, which kind of makes more sense. And the editor puts surely is the more reasonable. Um, But I think maybe it wasn't racy enough, like that she's just got Johns coming, you know, like uh, a bunch more dudes, um, that, you know, it kind of, if they make her the big bad mama-san, the main madam, you know, that makes her like extra naughty. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, there, there's two different versions of that. And it's possible that our, our, whoever was writing this fucked it up because that happens sometimes. 
It's it's interesting though, like all wicked men who were fools, uh, so they're just downplaying the Johns essentially. Oh yeah, none of the, oh just wait, it's gonna like the Johns are just like fools. Meanwhile, this chick is like horrible, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a huge gender. Oh, just wait, dude. I got I go on a rant on something that comes up in very uh, the next paragraph. So let's get to it, buddy. Uh, then there's some pop shots at clergy. She forsaka neither priesta nor clerka, ni non that were breacha nor shorta that with her would a dealer. So she didn't turn away priest nor clerk, nor anyone who wasn't wearing pants or a shirt. <laughs> 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 so she's sleeping with everybody. She doesn't give a shit, right? Uh, now there's something here too that it's just what you were talking about right this second. That's a total fucking double standard for medieval women. Um, that I feel I have to bring up. Like, why isn't this called the priest that fucked the incestuous daughter instead of helping her out? That's the story, right? But the sad part is, um, I think that even though the priests and clerks are fucking her and she's cool with it, the extra weight of the sin doesn't come down on them in this story. You know, like the reason they mention that is to accentuate just how much of a whore she is. That she doesn't even have standards enough. You know, she'll entice and seduce holy men with her womanly ways. You know, that's the way I read it. You could also read it, if you're a real optimist, I think, you could see it as a subtle up undercurrent of church reform kind of peeking its head through that they know that there's corruption, that priests and clerks do this kind of thing, right? Um, and that, you know, the, it, that kind of reform happens slowly. But people are starting to write about it. They're dealing with church corruptions in some way. I don't, you know, in terms of my reading personally, I see it as a former, not this latter. I see it as just, you know, this is another way to throw an extra layer of sin on this poor bitch. Yeah. And I, I, I can see the context that you're saying. It's her in, inside the, uh, the church in a preaching format. Yeah. But they leave it more open, you're saying. So uh, the Cambridge uh, manuscript added the extra piece of well, it, men. it didn't add it. It has, instead of women, it has that line. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, so those are just kind of swapped. But this priest and clerk thing is in both, presumably. So uh, they downplay the madamness more so, talking about the Johns. Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She would right. be less of a madam, which kind of gives her less agency in some way. Because I think it's actually, she's got a little more if she's like the queen whore, I guess, you know, like... You know, the Jezebel of Babylon. I don't know, but um, it's not good. None of this is good. <laughs> it it's interesting, re- though. I, I mean, I- anytime you put in other women, let's say, uh, you do, yes, she's the queen of women, but now you're talking about women. So I could see them shift it to be, no, this is just a woman, a singular archetype. Right. Uh, what other side stories do these other women have? Yeah, and there are some. Um, there's a great series from these same people from Teams called Heroic Women of the um, Old Testament that is a great um, a source for some really counter, um, maybe proto-feminist type stories. Um, there's a lot of debate on them, um, but they are pretty cool, and they do have very powerful women. In a- inevitably, they're martyrs, So you know, and it's hagiography, which is the one big escape for medieval women, is medieval women can find equality by taking religious kind of roles and that's where they find power by kind of removing themselves from society uh, but yeah. you know we're kind of getting outside that's why like they'd go to the cloister I don't want to marry a man I'm going to go be a nun you know like that that yeah, was their yeah. escape totally you know and so there's stories like that women getting out of the patriarchal power right by using religion 
and God. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to place myself in this era of time where definitely men and women, I mean, you know, I was a child born in the late 70s. So in America, it's a very different mindset of how reality was for men versus women. Oh, yeah. And, you know, keep in mind, this text comes from the 1400s. When we talk about the Middle Ages, we're talking about, depending on who you believe, as little as 600 years, you know, um, to as much as like 900 years, you know, of history. And so there was huge changes and, you know, big waves. And then, you know, which country are we talking about? Which even city sometimes? matters right so it's really hard to make generalizations but this is proof i think that you know it was really fucking tough for women back then um so there's a bishop so we're opening up the chessboard here mike there's a bishop of the land that starts preaching in a city uh, presumably a city close or else the story is going nowhere so all the good men of the town came to hear and see this sermon Everyone except, of course, for our brothel-running, priest-fucking, maybe double-father-fucking, child-killing baddie, and her fellies ever each one. Ever each one, I think is how you say that one, which is every each one, right, which stayed at their end. So they're all sitting there, and they're sad because no one is coming with them to play, and they're not making any money. It says, no silver they might mict winna. So no silver for them. Sad days. Then she says, I read that we to the church are gone and haste us in the way. There we shall some young man find that is both good and kind and us with us will play. So essentially what this translates is to uh, we should go to the church quickly to find some dude who is good and sweet and will play with us. And by play, we mean fuck for money, apparently. They do have money. That's how they're going to get it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. So they've got a plan. This is not a, a horrible plan, I feel like. Um, so they go to the church, and the holy bishop stood there, and he was preaching, Wordies well good. But uh, he knows something up. I guess he has, like, force sensitivity because he keeps his eye on our bad girl. Uh, and it says, on here he cast his eye. And I'm not lying about his force perception, or at least the bishop seems to have like a third eye kind of thing going, because he sees four devils, four false devils, apparently, which is even worse, maybe. Uh, But they're hanging on this chick's neck, and they're pulling her with chains. It literally says, uh, four devils that were false, he see hung about her halls, her neck, and by chains her lady, by every chain stayed her one. So the bishop sees this, and he is full of great wonder, right? Great wonder, which makes sense. So the bishop sees this, and he interprets it to mean that this chick is probably a sinner, right? He's very wise. He says, that she was a sinful woman, and he sighed sore. Ah, bless her heart. (laughs) I don't know. Is that the, the, I mean, he sees devils in the church, and that's his reaction? Uh, Sighed sore. So then the woman picks out a squire, and she smiles at him, and she takes him by the sleeve and starts to draw him out with other men. And by the sleeve as she him drew, and other young men mow, so other men too, you know, she's, she's trying to get a crowd going. So she's trying to get all these guys out of the church, but it's Good Friday, and they won't go with her. Interestingly, the editor says that this text is unique in mentioning Good Friday, but it also states that Good Friday is a day known for forgiveness. 
So it fits thematically. So thanks, Mr. Shuffleton. It also works out. I mean, we just had Good Friday. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that on my calendar. Nice. Yeah. That's as far as it went in my knowledge base. I know it goes with Easter. Remember Trump? Okay. (laughs) Now we are at the end of COVID. Are we doing this? Okay, let's do this. (laughs) He said it'll be over by Easter. It'll be over by Easter. And is it over, Mike? For our our fine audience? Well, you got inoculated. I am vaccinated. Uh, Due in thanks, no part to Trump. (laughs) I don't think his... He touted it was all him. Did you see? Well, he he can't tweet anymore, but yeah, he he touted. He sure did, yeah. So you all should be thanking me. Without me, nobody would have anything. And that's a just a filthy canard is what we call that. Just a downright lie, my friend. That is a greater lie. Yeah, <laughs> it is a greater lie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So the bishop sees this, and I guess he feels pity in his heart. And he tells her that he's going to avenge the fiends or devils or whatever these are, the false devils, right? And so he begins to preach both loud and high, which sounds right for a bishop, I guess, you know, uh, and that's how you're supposed to do it is loud and high. So I guess he smoked himself out before he did it. (laughs) He's real belligerent now, dude. So it says, uh, of the Fendi's, he would be Ricca, avenged, wrecked. I love that term, the Ricca. Of Gaudi's mercy, he gan speaker both loud and high. Then the bishop's speech actually touches her. You know, well, at least one word does. It says, a word in her heart leaked, and the bishop spoke. So she's touched, and she sheds a tear. And when that tear hits the demon collar on her neck, it causes the collar to break. It's pretty much like Care Bear magic. <laughs> so, Hot. I don't know. That's Captain that, Planet. That's bad. Captain Planet. One word seems to have undone the spiritual trauma of infanticide matricide and patricide not to mention seemingly prolific amounts of whoring so with that the devils run away and they're scared it says that the fendis flee and we're a drad another great word a drad a drad what, what is a drad that one's afraid or scared ah yes yeah i think it's like a dread you know like full of dread a drad yeah but a d r a d another thing to know is that spelling um wasn't standardized so people spelled things however they thought it sounded and that could change region to region also sometimes they did uh, in this this was handwritten but later when they're typing stuff out right when they've got uh typography if they ran out of letters they would just use whatever letters they could use Oh, that's great. Yeah, so spelling was fucked for years. That's like the weirdest Ebonics ever. Oh, dude, it's nuts. Yeah. and We got high, and we've just, you know, stuck whatever letter works. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, like, Bs would be turned to make Ps and stuff, you know, like, (laughs) all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, it's just fucking nuts, dude. So The Fendi's flay, and they were a drop. (laughs) Is that a drop? I don't. Remember what a drop is. Those poor it's, manuscript it's a, writers. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. There's only like 15 literate people per town at this point. I guess it's between them, you know, uh, which at, at this point in the 1400s, literacy is on the rise, but it is still a very seldom. You know, it would be only for the, uh, the prayers, right, for the most part, and the lords. So, yeah, everybody else has the, the spoken word coming at them. Right? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And they have no, you know, unless you're dealing with like law, law is big. 
you know, um, so that's the monks and the royalty get involved in a lot of law and treaties and those kinds of things, landowners. Um, but if you don't deal with those things in religion, um, then, you know, you have literally no reason to write. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I mean, the the mere fact that women weren't writing, I mean, men are fucking lazy. Yeah, some women could write if they were in royalty. Ah, you know, yeah, so, yeah. I, I guess so. They could practice, like, uh, liberal arts. Yeah, exactly. So Marie de France is a pretty fan. I think it's Marie de France, but um, she was... Uh, She's pretty prolific, and she's like an Anglo-Norman, so she wrote in French, um, but and pretty early. So, I understand, Brett. She was a painter too, possibly. Uh, I would have to look into that. I don't know too much about it. I want to say the name came across. Here, the text repeats itself at this point, and the editor points out that the text appears to be corrupt here, as lines 226 and 227 repeat lines 220 and 221 in reverse order. So some medieval scribe was probably hung over the day he was writing it down. And he fucked up a stanza. The next stanza says that she gets on her knees and prays, looking for mercy. She set her down on a her knee. To God she besought in Trinity. Mercy gan she cryva. Then she tells the bishop, and this part I don't get, um, but uh, she tells the bishop that she is the one whom the bishop has been talking or preaching about. And that she is here for him to have her see. I don't know. Um, nowhere earlier in the text did it mention that the bishop was talking about her specifically. I checked like 10 times. Um, but maybe he's just talking about like sinful ways in general. And she relates to it. Uh, maybe I'm overthinking this too. I don't know. Anyway, literally it says, Sir Bishop. I am she, all this day thou hast spoke of me, and here thou mayest me have. So there you go, I guess. You've been talking about her. So anyway, it's weird. She starts to lay out her sins in this, like, confession space, and I'm guessing this is all happening in the church still. Like, all the location is really hard to follow on this. Uh, like, literally in front of everyone. I'm not really sure. But anyway, she confesses to doing all deadly sin that ever meeked woman begin. Again, God, God's law, so God's law, right? So she's done all the deadly sins that a woman might do against God, which is a solid fucking effort on her part. I mean, she's really put in the work. That's, yeah, she's, wow. And then just to call it out, like, all things under God's heaven I have violated. Oh, yeah. Very succinctly, like metal. Yes, it is metal. She's banging as well. her head, and whipping her hair. And she is right. She's unchained now too. So yeah, this is a yeah. woman him. unchained, right? Uh, okay, so she lists off what is a surprisingly large number of sins per line. She starts by saying she did folly to her dad, which is one of the biggest bullshit moments of the story to me. Okay, the line is. By my father, I did folly. Like, what the fuck? You're a kid. Your dad starts seducing you, and I'm not sure that's on her. <laughs> okay? Like, but you can clearly see in this section, too, uh, that when femininity and sexuality is combined, it always means sin for the lady, right? And that she's the temptress. She's echoing this Eve kind of quality and reinforcing that cultural norm for them. Total bullshit, but here's just a clear example of it, you know? She says that she had three knave canava kids with them and uh, which means bastard kids right and then killed them all the knave children i had him by uh, and all i have them slaw that's right she turned them into coleslaw <laughs> it's s-l-a-w it says 
So she goes on to say she stuck her mother with a knife and then killed her father. My mother, I sticked with a knife. My father, that might be Kneef at this point. Uh, my father, I rest, which means robbed here, him his life. So uh, they rhyme knife with life or Nifa with Lifa. So, you know, I think when it's got that double F, it makes a V sound. Somebody can tell me if I'm right on that one. Uh, then she says that she is quick to confess these things in sadness before she dies. I think the idea is here that she wants to like unburden herself of her sins and secrets, which is pretty standard Catholic churchy kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I went to many different churches of many different types, but never stuck with Catholic. You're probably I mean, better off. Maybe the, the priest didn't like from you. From what I've heard with uh, <laughs> many of the sort. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My repression is low, sir. <laughs> that's, that's good, man. Uh, especially for these guys, uh, they would just consider you a heretic. They'd probably burn you this time. I don't know what yeah, they're doing. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So the bishop says, uh, as she's confessing all this, right, and that she wants to unburden herself, he, he pretty much says, it's cool, kick it here a while until I'm done preaching. Literally, he says, woman, a bead a little wheat. Tell my sermon be done. But she's so sad and so full of shame, I guess. The line is literally says, full of sorrow and care. Anyway, she falls down and her heart brasta in two. So her heart bursts into two. And this is actually literal, as we'll see here in a minute. The bishop kept preaching, but when he was done, he noticed that she's down and he lepes, leaps to her and begins crying and calling out to her. And to her he lepe. And gone on her to Klepa, cry out, and call. So she's dead. He found her dead among them all. And the bishop is bummed out. He cries for her, man. Yeah. Wait, so her heart breaks in two. Yeah. So she confessed, right? Yeah. And under yeah. the weight of all that, that sin, right? Because well, you just can't have her keep going around town, I guess. I mean, you could. No, not in this story. <laughs> I mean... But not when there's Super Bishop. Yeah, well, okay. So Super Bishop isn't done, okay? Uh, so he sees she's dead. Uh, he's crying. Then the bishop tells everyone to get on their knees and start praying. On their uh, kidneys, they should fall a bede for to sign. So to sign, like make the sign of the cross, right? So that God could tell them whether she went to heaven or hell, whether the sola were in bliss or hell pain. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I guess the, the bishop's plan here is to like ask God, yo, what happened to the soul of the matricidal, patricidal, infanticidal whore who was a Latvia a few seconds ago? And I get that this chick just dropped dead here, but aren't there other questions that they should ask God? <laughs> like of all these questions to ask God, they're like, does she go to heaven? I mean, that's what happens, though. I mean, you have uh, the entire universe around you, and you're like, hey, what happened? <laughs> this bishop's getting worse and worse every time I hear him. Uh, yeah, he's not great. But so, he is pretty fucking epic. Yeah, I mean, one word caused her to cry magic tears that blew up her invisible collar and chased the demons away. You know what? I, I think my brain is getting a little meta here, so I'm thinking of the preacher actually speaking to the people on the sermon and misplacing that preacher now with the bishop because it almost seems like this story is very... Uh, 
touting up the power of the bishop as a man of the cloth, as the person actually speaking this sermon also. So re-emphasizing that we're the shit, come up here, and I could break your collar with a word. Yeah. No, it's a good reading. You know, I mean, it's definitely glorifying the church since this is being told at church. (laughs) It kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you can sleep with her, but I could also death by love. This is where it gets interesting. So this is perfect. Okay, so miraculously, a voice from heaven answers. So we're going to get some closure here on this chick, right? I'm assuming it's God, but it doesn't really say it is at all. It just says, a voice come from heaven down that they might hear. Okay, so that's pretty easy to get. Like the voice coming from down from the heavens so that they can hear it. The voice tells them that the soul of the woman is in heaven. The soul of that sinful wicked is that, which means creature. <laughs> They're calling her a creature at this point. <laughs> The wicked. Uh, so that sinful wicked is n- now in heaven, bright before Jesus, Yezu, sorry, full dearer. So she's saved. So the voice uh, from above is not done, though. It goes on because we need clarification, I guess. And it wants to make sure everybody knows the rules, okay? Because why not, right? So it says, Christian men, Christian men, I warn you all that none of you in one hop fall. They ye be in sin. Whoso will of a priest be shrifa and do penance by his lifa, heaven he may winna. So essentially it's saying like Christian men, I guess women too, but the author can't be bothered to include them here. If you fall into sin, confess to a priest and do some penance and you're good to go for heaven. So this kind of backs up what you were saying earlier, right, Mike? Yeah. And you need this conduit. Right. And if you don't have this conduit, hellfire, right? Well... Oh, but wait. You're going to be dragged on by many uh, men and many a collar. Demons of fae. So this voice, and I feel like at this point, I got to say that this actually sounds more like God's lawyer. So it says, The for man had done alone all the sins every chun that ever yet were wrought. And he may in his last day to a priest his life say, God will forget him not. So essentially, if a guy does all the sins, goes full Satanist, committing all the sins that are known and unknown, as long as on on his last day he confesses his sins to a priest, presto, into heaven he goes, right? So still pretty aligned with what we're thinking. That's why the dad died, because he didn't confess. He just went on a pilgrimage. Ooh, yeah. He should have went to a bishop. Yeah, yeah. But God's lawyer isn't done yet. He continues, and he says, And if a man have no priest to a man that sit him next him, yem, to him, Shrifa, and if he may do no more but for his sins rouse Sora, God will him forgive her. Um, so if there is no priest, but there's some due to confess to or whatever, and uh, that's the best you can do and you sorely regret your sins, God's going to forgive you too. And in some ways, these lines were probably a little contentious, man. Honestly, the idea that you don't even need a priest to confess in order to have salvation would have been like a little proto-Protestant, man. Martin Luther is right around the corner in the early 1500s where he nails, um, you know, his uh, uh, charter on the church walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm guessing this is like an early bit of church reform where they're like, fuck the priest, right? Wow. And, f- and finally, it ends with a prayer that it's something like, 
Most High King, Father and Son, and Holy Ghost, give us the ability and opportunity to get to heaven when we meet our deaths because you have so much grace. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the editor, George Shuffleton, as uh, we get here, but I, I do want to take a second before we're there. Uh, so what do you think about that last little bit, right, that you don't even need a priest? I, yeah. I, I mean, I love that aspect because, you know, whoever's listening to this, you know, heard a little bit about what I believe in. Yeah, I mean, just admitting to the self is huge. And then being able, being able to... Pull down those like guttural feelings mixed with logic of what you've done. Interpret those into words to actually speak to somebody else is uh, that's powerful magic, medieval magic, oh. and modern magic. There you go. Yes. But yeah, it's you know you have all kinds of things that nowadays speak to it like twelve steps. You know that's certainly a big part. And speaking not just one person but multiple people because you can only confess the realistically one thing to a person that actually has some context, and then you get the biggest bang for your buck. So I guess yeah, I mean, so in that, if I were to really dive deeper, the context of the person that you're speaking to really matters. Sure, I think so that's true. But who that you're admitting to. Right. Oh, okay. You're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah. I think there's a value in uh, kind of a, what I call like a uh, barkeep confessional, right? Like, sure. Yeah. People do that all the time, right? Like confess shit to just a total stranger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I Does think that it, work if you have multiple personalities. Only if each of them confesses. The editor here, George Shuffleton has uh, some smart shit to say. So I'll read a few paragraphs here. Uh, the crimes of the incestuous daughter make her an ideal demonstration of God's mercy. Incest was considered a particularly heinous sin, and many medieval narratives do not distinguish between the, perpe uh, the perpetrator and the victim of incest. Both are held accountable for the sin, and both are thoroughly dishonored by it. Uh, in the incestuous daughter, the father's conscience forces him to repent, whereas the daughter responds to incest by falling deeper into depravity. This response resembles the actions of many other women in exempla. Once feminine sexual desire is allowed expression, it becomes an unregulated force of destruction. In her multiple murders and her willingness to seduce every squire and clerk she encounters, the incestuous daughter quickly becomes a misogynist nightmare of the unbridled feminine libido, subject to neither reason nor conscience. It really is about, like, the more sexualized these women become, the more terrifying a force that is, you know? Yeah. Ripped her heart in two. So here is the last paragraph uh, that I got for you from Mr. Shuffleton. And it is because of, not despite this carnality and carnage, that the daughter demonstrates so well the power of genuine contrition. Even in the moment when she seems most hardened in her sins, as she attempts to seduce men at a Good Friday sermon... Her heart is most vulnerably human, and the words of the preaching bishop turn her from evil. Not all of the surviving versions of the exemplum feature the fiends leading the daughter by chains around the neck, a terrifying sight visible only to the preacher, but it is an effective means of demonstrating how dangerous the bonds of sin can be and how easily tears of contrition can break them. I like that. Yeah, so it does kind of uh, kind of tied back to what you were saying, at least if we get off the feminine parts, right? That, um, you know, there is this idea of confession, right? Like if you confess what you've done, you put your thoughts into words and you say those words to another person, you have that courage, then you are good to, to go. 
All right, so as we're wrapping up this episode, I just want to know um, if you think this story is still relevant today, or is this just one of those relics of the past where it's kind of fun to see, but it's not necessarily really anything more than just a window into how those funny <laughs> British medieval people were? I mean, for the context of the, the story here, in the context of which it was spoken, I, I imagine it's still relevant. Again, I don't attend church, but I do know there's a lot of amazing stories being told and, and somehow massive impact like this. This is such a, a story that stands true even today. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. The thought of just redemption of self. Mm. Uh, redemption of self, the power of releasing and ties it back into kind of what I was saying early on in the beginning intro. Like, yeah, you go through a lot more pain before you have redemption when you admit it and you look at the past. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a certain grievance when you look at your past and the things you cannot change. And it's a good human story. Yeah. I think the forgiveness is probably the best element that still translates, right? Um, you know, today's stories are much more about learning to forgive yourself, you know? Um, I would argue this one is, you know, she gets forgiven. But even within the story, they cook in a way where, you know, the you don't need a priest, which um, I definitely think there's something in it. But I also think it is the weirdest fucking packaging for this kind of story, dude. And it is definitely attention getting. You know? Yeah, that last little bit does kind of like throw a different twist in this. But again, the time period, like, I, I am so just uh, astounded by the thinking back then. I just, I, I, it's hard to place myself in that time period. Oh, yeah. It's impossible for any of us. I'll tell you, you we're getting glimpses. Um, you know, for how far does this resonate and speak for? You know, this is what people in this part of England or across England may have felt or were attracted to. But does this speak for all of that? You know, like, it's, it's really hard to say. You know, um, and, and the truth is you just can't go back. You know, that's the infuriating part. So that's our episode for today. Thank you very much. Once again, my name is Marcel Losada. My guest today was Mr. Michael Temple. Thank you so much for coming on, Mike. Hopefully we'll have you on again in the future. Yeah, thanks. It was great. Absolutely. So thanks, everybody. And have yourselves a wonderful rest of your day. Take care now.